Yeah, here we are again. Yeah. Um, hopefully coming through loud and clear and um, getting nods at the back, which um, is a positive sign. Really good to be together, albeit online only today. I've got a few people here. I've got our worship team and a few others that have, have come along, but um, I have a thermometer in front of me that says eight degrees in the building, so it is cold. Um, everyone here is wrapped up, but hopefully you at home are uh, nice and uh, warm and um, have an enjoying your Sunday morning in the heat, and as Dan says, hopefully we'll get that rectified for next Sunday, because we miss being together in person, um, and it's been great to be doing that over these last number of months, so we'll get that rectified as soon as we can. Um, just one thing to, to draw your attention to before we dive into uh, the story from the Gospel of John that I want to share with us today, which is this coming Saturday, um, our senior leadership team are uh, spending a day away. We have a day away booked in. Um, to spend together as part of our discernment process. Um, as you know, before Christmas, um, we would uh, spend uh, a number of evenings here in the building, community conversation nights, hearing some feedback from the community and looking to plan forward. Um, and so as part of that discernment process, we've been looking at um, sexuality and faith and also a number of other things. So this Saturday, we're, we're planning a day away to, to kind of draw together, hopefully, some of our, our roadmap for the rest of the year. So we just want to let you know that that's happening and also to invite your prayers. Please do be praying for us. Uh, we've heard from some of you in the last number of months, um, particularly around the topic of sexuality and faith. Um, and uh, if you would still like to reach out and speak to myself or any of the rest of the team one-on-one -on -one to do that, we would still love to spend time with you. There's um, so much still to cover with all of that, but um, that invitation is still there. That opening is still there. We're making ourselves available for that. Um, but as I say, this Saturday, please be remembering us in prayer as we spend the day together praying, discerning, planning a bit of a roadmap for this community as we step into all that God has for us in 2022. Um, so hopefully that keeps you in the loop of where we're at with that. Um, if you've got a Bible, hope you've got a Bible, whether it's an app, whether it's um, a paper Bible in front of you, um, please do open it to John chapter 2, because that's the gospel and the chapter that we're in today, and we're going to be reading about Jesus' first miracle, uh, the wedding at Cana. Um, I'm going to read it, um, and hopefully if you've got it in front of you, you can follow along. I'm reading from the uh, NIV translation. So on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood sticks stone water jars, the kind used by Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from. Though the servants who had drawn the water knew, then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory 
and his disciples believed in him. Before we jump into that, just to mention now that at the, at the end of our time this morning, we will be breaking bread and celebrating the Eucharist together. So as Dan has said already, do get some bread and wine or crackers and juice ready so that you can uh, participate with us uh, along at home or wherever you're tuning in today. So I'm sure uh, that we've all been to weddings. Um, we've, I'm sure we've all been to weddings, and I'm sure we've maybe been to weddings where things haven't quite gone to plan. If you're planning a wedding at the moment, this is <laughs> you can tune out maybe from this. Um, there's always little things, isn't there, that maybe don't go quite to plan, and largely it doesn't really matter in the end. Perhaps maybe the bride or the bridal party gets stuck in traffic, or the weather turns out not so good, or maybe the, the musicians you book um, fail to show up, they're sick, and Uncle Cuthbert has to jump on the iPod and be DJ. Something maybe doesn't go quite as planned, but these are small things, of course, and we adapt, and the big picture of those wonderful occasions is to celebrate uh, the couple that have got married. Um, let me tell you a story. I was once a uh, best man at a wedding, and disaster struck. Things didn't quite go to plan. Right before the dinner and the speeches, I was given a very simple job, and that was, Dave, would you go to the, to the car and put the bride and the groom's suitcases, their luggage, into the car? and lock the car and come back. That's all I had to do. The car was decorated the way it would be for a bride and groom leaving at the end of the day. So it was kind of all ready, and at the end of the day, they'd hop in and they'd drive off with their luggage in the back. And so I did that. I took the two suitcases, and I went to the car, and I opened the boot, and I put the luggage in, and I closed the boot. And then I went to reach into my pocket to see where the key was, and I couldn't find the key to the car. And I started to panic a little bit. Have I lost the key? So I look on the ground, and I'm looking around the car, and I can't find it. And I'm, 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 I try the door, and the door's locked, and the boot's locked. And then I try to retrace my steps um, all the way down the path of the reception. I can't find the key anywhere. And all the guests are moving their, making their way into the, the tables to begin their meal. Everyone's in a really good mood, and I'm kind of trying to stay calm and thinking, where have I put the key to the car? Let me stress, it was the only key. It was the only key. I found that out later uh, to the car after going to the groom and asking, do you have a spare key for the car? So it was not ideal, of course, and I realized that I had locked the key inside the boot. I clearly dropped it when I put the luggage in. So we had the bride and the groom's luggage inside the car with the key, and it was all locked, and there was no way to get in. So as people started to eat their starters, I decided that uh, the best thing to do would be obviously to phone the AA, because uh, I can't break into the car. Um, and I informed, of course, the groom, which wasn't the, the best thing to be disrupting his wonderful day with the news that I'd locked all his stuff inside this car. I'm going to have to break into his car. Um, thankfully, uh, word got to the, the groom's uh, father, and it turned out that the, the groom's father when he was growing up, had learned a few handy tricks, one of them being how to break into a car with a coat hanger. And so during the main meal, he slipped out, and I slipped out, and he was able to pop the door open with this coat hanger, and disaster was averted. And we got the luggage and the key out of the car, back to the hand of the groom, and everyone saw the funny side of it. And of course, I breathed a big sigh of relief. Well, in a sense, the story today that we've been reading from in John 2 is a little bit like that, but perhaps 
orders of magnitude more, and there's a disaster that hits the wedding, and it would affect the whole wedding party because the wine runs out. It's a remarkable story of Jesus rescuing a party. Let me set the scene. Jesus is around 30 years old, and he's just been baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist, and he started his mission. He's heard those words proclaimed over him, you're my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. So Jesus knows the mission that he is on. But he's with his friends, his disciples, his mother, and they're at a wedding in Cana. And like you do at a wedding, you celebrate, and you, t- you drink, and you eat good things, and you have a good time. And John, the writer, is trying to point us to certain things during this story. He's trying to, he's trying to make us aware of things. He's, he's, he's laid these little Easter eggs, we might say, or little signs that point towards that mission. Firstly, for example, the story starts on the third day. Um, I wonder where else, perhaps, in the Gospels we hear that. Um, in verse 11, this is a bit of a sign pointing forward. But Jesus, anyway, he's at the wedding. He's with his the fellow disciples, friends. Uh, he's with his mother Mary. It's in Cana in Galilee. And, of course, as I've said, the wine runs out. Now, the wedding in Cana at that time would have involved the whole village. It would have involved the whole community. It would have involved people from neighboring villages. And in that culture running out of wine at a party or a wedding was not just inconvenient, like me locking a key inside a vehicle and having to pop it open. It would have been a a social disaster, a a disgrace on the family. It would have been, the story would have ran maybe forever, that that was the wedding where the wine ran out. And it would have brought great shame upon the family, upon the bride and the groom. In fact, they may have seen it as bad luck for their married life. And so Jesus' mother, he, she makes Jesus aware of this predicament. Uh, she says, they have no wine, turning to Jesus, they have no wine. Um, and what we see within this story is that Jesus goes on quietly to instruct the servants to fill jars to the brim, ceremonial washing jars to the brim with water. And he instructs them to take those, the, water, the, water, the jars of water, take those big jars of water out into the party. And they do that. And they're probably thinking in, in, in their own minds, what on earth are we doing this for? And they suddenly arrive in the midst of the party and they serve the wine to the master of the banquet. And a total miracle has taken place because the jars of water have transformed into wine. Approximately about 1,000 bottles of wine. That's the kind of quantity of wine that comes from these big jars that have been filled, brimming with just, just water. They transform into wine. Here's a couple of observations. Firstly, it's Jesus' very first miracle. It's a bit of a sign, but it's done very quietly. The servants, they know because he's asked them to fill the jars. And obviously his mother knows he's, she's asked Jesus to do this. But it, it happens very quietly. And in a sense, it's just an interesting observation. There's, there's this compassionate and yet a remarkable miracle that takes place that Jesus is rescuing the party and the celebrations. It all happens without anyone even knowing, without Jesus drawing attention to himself. Second observation 
the master of the banquet tastes the wine and he's, his mind is blown. And this is the best wine of the night. And he, he goes out of his way to heap praise on the groom. And because it would have been normal, as it said in the story, that you would keep the, you would serve the good wine up front. And then when the party goes on and people are a little bit more merry, you would bring out some of the slightly cheaper wine and then the cheapest at the end. That's the way you would, you would do it. And so when the master of the banquet tastes this wine and he says it's the best wine that he's tasted all night, he, he heaps praise on the groom and says, this is, you know, this is an amazing thing that has happened. And, but he doesn't know how the wine has come to be. He just thinks that the groom has been storing it up and has just brought it out at the end. And so an average party goes on to be an even better one. And here we have not only disaster averted, not only does the party continue, you know, if there was just kind of normal wine that was the same as the, pa the last had cup and brought out, no one would have really noticed and the party just would have went on. Not only has disaster been averted, but Jesus doubles down and not only does he avert this shame that was going to come upon the family, but he actually brings this tremendous honor upon the family. He actually make, brings... Uh, the water into the best wine and it brings tremendous honor on the family. He kind of doubles down on that. It's not just disaster averted. It's this great blessing and honoring. And as we read about Jesus, it seems throughout the gospels, it seems like this, these kinds of things happen when Jesus is around, when Jesus is in the room and things can change, things can transform in ways that we can't even quite imagine. I mean, just, just imagine for one moment. Just put yourself in the, in the position of the servants. You're asked to fill these jars. You've run out of wine, and it's a bit of a disaster. You're asked to fill these jars with water. What are you, what are you thinking? And then to see them transform into wine. I mean, everyone was just enjoying themselves, but the servants must have just been ecstatic, or what, like whispering to one another, what has just happened? This miracle saves the party. The story is the very first of several signs in the Gospel of John where, in a sense, heaven is opening and there's this transforming power of God's love breaking into the present world. You have it in John 1, the Word made flesh, God with us, the, re the revelation of Christ Jesus as the Son of God walking among uh, humanity heaven on earth. This otherly kingdom is spoken about throughout the gospel of John, breaking into the kingdom of this world. And the water to wine story is, is, is like that. It's a little bit of, of this other kingdom, this other economy breaking into our world. This blessing and honor visits this normal wedding party. And the water to wine story is a sign, but it's also a reality. It's a lived experience. It's, it really ha it's not just a sign. It actually really did happen. The party must have been amazing. It was a real party with real wine. N.T. Wright describes it as a different dimension of reality that comes into being when Jesus is present. Let me say that again. When Jesus is present, there's just a different dimension of reality that comes into being. It's like everything kind of changes when he is around. And we're actually in the season of Epiphany now. Um, this is a season in the church calendar where it celebrates Christ revealed to us as God with us. 
And so Epiphany is always an invitation to pay attention. And maybe we want to ask, what, what can we pay attention to in this disaster-averted wedding story, this water-to-wine story? What can we pay attention to? And I want to contend that water changing to wine reminds us, as I've already said, that things transform in the presence of Jesus. And not only that, but that the best wine is served at the end. In fact, that the best is yet to come. Perhaps that's actually true for you, for us, and our friendship with Jesus, our lives with God. Perhaps the best wine is yet to come. As I said, the story begins on the third day, and John is pointing in a sense, by saying that to the end of the story when, when Jesus goes to the cross. And on the third day, he's resurrected. In fact, in the Gospel of John, we only meet Jesus' mother twice. Once, when she's instructing Jesus to turn water into wine, or instructing Jesus to do something. And then at the end, right at the cross, when she's at the cross, at the foot of the cross. In this story we've read today, Jesus said to his mother, my time has not come. But at the cross, he knew that his time had come to turn the ultimate water into wine, to bring the ultimate transformation, to bring the ultimate honor out of shame, to bring the ultimate glory out of the mess of the cross. So this story and the wedding of Cana is pointing to that bigger story. And I wonder what it might say about, uh, I wonder what this story might say to us and our stories, our lives about the water in our lives, about whether the best is yet to come. Jesus transforms. This is the gospel story. He, he turns endings into beginnings. He turns death into life, water into wine, shame into honor, disgrace into celebration, famine into feast, beauty into ashes. This is the gospel. And even in a simple and it's a simple story of Jesus turning water into wine at a wedding. We see the symbol of what Christ is all about and what Christ maybe could be for us. The transformation of water into wine reminds us that Jesus can have this effect in our lives and the things that we care about and things like weddings and things like parties and things like we do with our friends, the real things of life that bring that can trip us up and bring shame and disgrace and disaster. Christ is with us in and through it all and is always working to bring good, to bring honor, to bring dignity, to bring life. He says it in John 10, 10, I've come to bring life and life in all its fullness. Like Jesus, the wine, it was best, the best wine at the party, um, I just want to preach that over us today, that the best is always yet to come, that the sweetest, fullest, richest wine of our friendship with God, our friendship with Christ, is in fact yet to come. Those are the two things I'd love us to consider off the back of this story. Number one, for us as friends of Jesus, as we go through this series, Friends with Jesus, looking at our, our friendship with Jesus, our friendship with God, do we assume that the best days with our lives, with God, are behind us? Do we assume that the best days 
of our friendship with Jesus are behind us? Why do we think this if that is the case? Perhaps, as I've been saying, the best, the sweetest, the richest days are ahead of us. Perhaps Jesus has the best for us in our future. Perhaps when we think the party might be over, Jesus is only getting it started. No matter where we are in our lives, perhaps we can think about that and reflect upon that. Here's the second thing. The miracle doesn't depend on the servants, but it does also not happen without them. N.T. Wright reminds us that the miracle only happens when the servants took seriously the words of Mary, do whatever he says, do whatever he tells you. And they did, and they went, and they got those ceremonial washing jars, and they filled them to the brim with water, which seemed crazy. But they just, they, they did. They took a step. They cooperated in this, whatever this was, this, this attempt to rescue the party. They participated. And in a sense, friendship with Jesus is an invitation to all of us to participate, to cooperate with God and with the ways of God in our everyday lives, perhaps in the everyday miracles of life, where he wants to turn the water in our lives to wine. He invites us to to trust him, to follow him, to take a step, to participate in this one step in front of you, to give our yes to him, to take him up on that invitation, to take a step out, and he does the rest. We walk forward, the best is yet to come, and we get to participate in that. And together we live life with God, and we partner with God to bring the sweetest wine of the kingdom into every corner of our lives, every relationship in our lives, every area of our lives where it feels like the party may be over. Jesus can come and bring his transformation, his sweetness, his, the rich wine of his kingdom to bring transformation, to bring life, to bring honor and beauty out of that which looks like dishonor, shame, and ashes. This is the Jesus that we call friend. This is the Jesus that calls us friend. John 15, 15, I've not called you servants, but I've called you friend. And this friend has our best in mind and has the best to come. John 15, 16 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Jesus chose you. Jesus reached out to you. Jesus poured the love of, the the, the wine of his love into your hearts. That's what it says in Romans 5, 5. It says, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit which has been given to you. We are like those jars, those ceremonial jars, and we find ourselves filled with the sweetest wine of Christ and his spirit and his presence and communion with him. In all the Gospels, Jesus routinely invites people in. He continually initiates and invites people in calls them from their ordinary way of lives and into simple friendship with him. And the Holy Spirit does that for us today, drawing us continually in, initiating, drawing us into relationship with Jesus.
And so when we can give our yes, when we can cooperate, when we can participate, when we can just open our hearts, Christ will pour into us by his spirit, his transformative love. Another sign and something to finish with is that the wedding feast at the end of Revelation is symbolized here. This wedding at Cana points to this great big wedding feast, which is a metaphor for what God is going to throw in terms of a party for all of creation. When the cosmos is restored, when heaven and earth are one, Revelation speaks about that like a wedding feast, a wedding banquet. And here we have a little sign of that pointing to the future. So in essence, as I bring this to a close and as we, as we, we're going to worship in a moment, in fact, I would invite the worship team up. We're going to lead us in a, in a song. We're going to break bread and drink wine. What I would just love to do and leave you with today is to encourage you today that indeed the best is always in front of us, that friendship with Jesus means that the best is always to come, that Christ is in, in the business of bringing uh, beginnings out of endings, turning water to wine, turning shame to honor, turning disgrace to celebration, turning famine to feast, turning beauty to ashes, bringing life from death. Of course, I have prepared a few discussion questions um, off the back of this today. Um, and I maybe will share those with you by email so that you can discuss those in your homes with your friends or with your family. But really, what I wanted to leave you with, as we cannot do discussion this morning, is just to encourage you to reflect upon this truth that the best is yet to come and this invitation to cooperate, to partner, to participate with what God wants to do to step into further friendship with Jesus.